Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, France 24, Radio Havana Cuba, and NHK World Radio Japan. We will begin with Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Emmanuel Macron was re-elected president of France. Many chose him as the lesser of two evils. Many skipped voting or left the ballots blank. For the seventh year in a row, countries have spent record sums of money on weapons. The war on Ukraine is pushing the figures even higher. Last year, $2 trillion were spent, with the U.S. way out in front. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Emmanuel Macron has been re-elected as president of France, winning a second term. Macron seized a convincing victory with 58.5% of the vote, according to provisional results. His opponent, Marine Le Pen, secured 41.5%, the highest outcome yet for the far-right candidate. Sunday's runoff election drew the lowest turnout of voters in more than half a century. Macron recognized that his win was partly thanks to reluctant voters. A grin not often seen on the French leader. Sunday's vote saw Emmanuel Macron in high spirits after he won five more years in office, the first French president in 20 years to be re-elected. But as he claimed victory, he acknowledged that many votes hadn't been cast for him, but against his opponent. I know that many of our compatriots have voted for me today not to support the ideas that I stand for, but to block those of the extreme right. As fighting rages in Ukraine, many are relieved that Macron's victory won't mean a change of course. During the campaign, he contrasted his opponent's ties to the Kremlin with his own strong support for arming Ukrainian forces. We are going through tragic times. The war in Ukraine obliges France to make its choices clear and to build up its strength in all areas. That is something we will continue to do. Polls had predicted a close race, but in the end Macron won a comfortable 58% of votes. His far-right opponent Marine Le Pen conceded defeat. But buoyed by her strongest ever showing, she said she wasn't going anywhere. This evening, I will say it again, I will never abandon the French people. Long live the Republic, long live France. (laughs) 
and as her party looked for what crumbs were left. Far-left demonstrators clashed with police in several cities, accusing Macron of being a president for the rich. Emmanuel Macron has pledged to be a president for all French citizens, but it will take more than a smile and a wave to make France's widespread dissatisfaction go away. For the seventh year in a row, countries around the world have spent record sums of money on weapons, even before Russia's war in Ukraine started. That's according to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. Total global military expenditures for the first time exceeded $2 trillion last year, an increase of 0.7% from the year before. The biggest spenders were the United States, China, India, the UK, Russia, France, as you see it there, India as well, and Germany. Now, together, they account for about two-thirds of global military expenditure. China's military spending grew for the 27th consecutive year. And with many countries propping up their defense amid Russia's invasion of Ukraine, military expenditures are likely to rise further. That's why I asked Alexandra Marksteiner of the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute if we were in the middle of a new global arms race. It's always a bit difficult to judge uh, based on, on just the numbers, but we are seeing a new record high in global military expenditure. Uh, 2021, uh, in 2021, we reached over 2.1 trillion US dollars. Uh, whether or not that counts as an arms race is a matter of perspective, but we, we're definitely observing uh, a continuous increasing trend. Hmm. What is your forecast for the coming years? Uh, how will the uh, war in Ukraine boost military expenditure? Hmm. So uh, shortly after Russia launched its invasion against Ukraine, you know, there were being announcements made every, every couple of hours that governments intended to further increase uh, military spending. You know, we saw that in Germany, we saw it in Sweden, Romania, Poland. Um, there's also a good chance that the U.S. Congress will further boost um, spending beyond what the Biden administration had requested. We see that, that this trend will probably uh, continue for, for some time. Now, obviously, uh, you are with a peace research uh, institution, but amid Russia's aggression in Ukraine and fears of neighboring countries that Moscow wants to reach even further, isn't increased military spending a good thing at this uh, point of time? Well, I think, uh, you know, everyone kind of has to decide that for themselves. Uh, on the one hand, you know, it's true that the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine really uh, did shatter the European security order. Um, threat perceptions are now at an all-time high. I, I would think it's understandable um, that many people are calling for increased military spending. But on the other hand, you know, you always have to consider uh, every money being spent on the military is, uh, is you know, a dollar or a euro. Uh, that's not being spent on education, healthcare, social programs, economic relief, uh, and, and, and that sort of spending. So, so it's up to every country to decide for itself. Alexandra, do higher military expenditures immediately mean more guns and rockets? I mean, where exactly is the money going? So military spending doesn't automatically mean procurement spending, right? There are other types of spending. You need to pay the salaries of troops. You need to uh, buy fuel for your tanks. Procurement is only a part of it. But we are seeing that, that many of these announced increases are very much focused on 
on military procurement as well as research and development. Alexander Marksteiner of the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. That report was from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channel called DW News. Next, France 24. More weapons spending on Ukraine was pledged at a U.S. airbase in Germany. Germany had been hesitant about sending heavy weapons to Ukraine, but under pressure offered 50 anti-aircraft tanks. Analysis and a press review about how close the influx of weapons to Ukraine is to crossing a red line from a Russian perspective. Russia had warned that advancing a proxy war could quickly become World War III. France 24. Ukraine is preparing to face off against a full-scale Russian assault in the east, and Western powers want to make sure Kyiv's forces are ready. During defense talks at the U.S.'s Ramstein Air Base in Germany, where representatives from more than 40 countries were in attendance, the U.S.'s Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin announced that support for Ukraine would be reviewed on a monthly basis. Since the start of Russia's invasion, weapons from the West have been pouring into Ukraine to bolster its position. Most of the supplies have come from the U.S. Washington has donated 5 billion euros worth of arms, France has given 100 million euros, the UK has sent more than 200 million, while Germany for its part has given nearly 120 million euros. Berlin has now ramped up its supports following pressure from its allies. It announced Tuesday that it would send Gepard anti-aircraft tanks, marking a major shift in policy away from providing mainly defensive arms to sending heavy weaponry. It is right that Germany delivers heavy weapons to Ukraine, as announced today. There was a change of the stance throughout the past week to deliver heavy weapons to Ukraine with Germany's support. The flow of arms into Ukraine has enraged Moscow. The Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov warned of World War III if the West continued to supply Ukrainian forces. On Monday, Russia launched airstrikes at five railway stations in central and western Ukraine. The sites play a critical role in funneling foreign weapons into the country. Well, let's get some more analysis from James Creedon from our International Affairs Desk. Um, Western allies extremely wary from the outset of being drawn into an outright conflict with Russia. Um, how close would you say they are to crossing any perceived red lines as far as Russia's concerned? Well, I think the, the one of the key details to look at is Olaf Scholz and his wavering over the last number of days and weeks. That indicates a real level of concern and a wariness uh, about what, what, what the decisions he takes and how he acts will uh, provoke uh, Russia or not. So just uh, five days ago, he, sp he spoke to Der Spiegel. He said, look, I'm not going to deliver any har heavy armaments uh, to Ukraine out of a fear of escalation towards World War III. We, we saw then under pressure from coalition partners uh, within Germany and indeed from uh, international partners in the US that that decision, uh, there was an about turn on that decision. Now, what, 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 what are people saying about that about turn? Well, if we look at one piece of analysis in the, the Tribune de Genève uh, today, uh, they said, in delivering tanks, Olaf Scholz has, has a hand in the spiralling towards war. Now, 50 cheetah anti-aircraft uh, uh, vehicles, 88 uh, uh, Leopard, a lot of feline imagery, uh, tanks are set to be delivered uh, to Ukraine. So 
you know, is, is this, as the Tribune de Genève says, is this uh, Olaf Scholz having a hand in the spiralling uh, towards war? Perhaps. We don't know if, if Vladimir Putin is famously unpredictable. I'm not sure anyone uh, would have foreseen uh, the, the, the extent to which he, he sought to completely annihilate Ukraine and erase Ukraine's sovereignty. No one, I think, saw that coming. So there's a degree of unpredictability. Uh, others uh, analysing this particular set of circumstances, we have one military historian uh, from the London School of Economics, Sonka Nietzel, also speaking in the German press to build, saying, I don't believe the delivery of uh, tanks is exposing us to an atomic, a global atomic war, because that's what the Russians are saying. The Russians are saying that this is bringing us perilously close to World War III and the spectre, indeed, of nuclear war. Uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, Sergei Lavrov uh, said in a, in a Monday interview, uh, there were not so many uh, written rules, but the rules of conduct were, were clear enough. Moscow understood how Washington was behaving. Washington understood how Moscow was behaving. Now there are few rules left. So I think this is what we're dealing with here, uncharted waters uh, and, and a risky moment where this proxy war, and indeed, uh, Sergei Lavrov said that the weapons transiting from Europe, uh, European countries to Ukraine are legitimate targets. In If they're being uh, stocked in Western Ukraine, they could be, of course, they could be struck. That is uh, the logic of warfare. Uh, so certainly we're, we're, we're seeing a, a very, uh, a, the proxy war is, I think, the least you could, you could call it. Indeed, a lot of Ukrainians commenting on this on social media are saying, what proxy war? This is a very real war. This is not a proxy war at all. But of course, it's the degree of involvement of uh, NATO countries that is the question. And we're seeing that that war, in fact, is extending now to a very real financial war with the Russians insisting on payment in rubles from Poland, from Bulgaria. You might ask, why haven't they already asked the Germans for payment in rubles after the decisions made yesterday? Perhaps that will come. So I think that the war is, it's well beyond a proxy war at this stage. It's a very real financial war. And let's just hope it doesn't go any further than that. Those reports were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com. They also have a YouTube channel called France 24 English. A most informative discussion about the Ukraine war with Scott Ritter, former Marine and UN's weapons inspector, may be found at an independent peace project by searching YouTube for Scott Ritter, R-I-T-T-E-R, -T -T -E Ukraine Conversation. On to Radio Havana, Cuba. The government of Nicaragua has announced the expulsion of the Organization of American States, the OAS, from its territory due to its interference in their country. Venezuelan President Maduro denounced Colombian counterpart Duque of orchestrating a plan to assassinate both military and police. A new study finds that the prosecution of corporate criminals in the U.S. dropped by half in 2021. Stephen Donzinger was released from a thousand days of house arrest. Iran warned Israel that it knows the placement of all its nuclear weapons sites. Radio Havana, Cuba. Dennis Moncada, Minister of Foreign Affairs of Nicaragua, announced the expulsion of the Organization of American States, the OAS, from its territory as of this Sunday due to the interference of that organization in the country.
Foreign Minister Moncada said, quote, We are announcing that Nicaragua is expelling the Organization of American States. The people and government have denounced and continue to denounce the shameful condition of one of the political instruments of intervention and domination of the United States State Department, wrongly called the OAS. Moncada explained that in line with the decision taken on November the 19th, 2021, when the exit from the OAS was first announced, the country will not participate in any event promoted by that organization. Quote, By confirming our irrevocable resignation, we also communicate that of this date, we cease to be part of all the deceitful mechanisms of this monstrosity. Permanent council, commissions, meetings, and summits of the Americas. Neither neither will this infamous organization have offices in our country. Its headquarters have been closed. Nicaragua is not anyone's colony. We have disowned this instrument of colonial administration that does not represent the sovereign union of our Caribbean America and is a Yankee instrument to violate rights and independence, to sponsor interventions and invasions, and legitimize coups d'etat in various ways. In the framework of the Fifth Congress of the United Socialist Party of Venezuela, the PSUV, Venezuelan President Nicolás Maduro denounced his Colombian counterpart Ivan Duque this Saturday of orchestrating a plan to assassinate both military and police. The President warned, quote, Ivan Duque is leaving the presidency and is desperate to harm Venezuela. He has activated plans with criminals by sending infiltrators across the border, groups of gangsters who come to attack the Venezuelan security forces. At the same time, the Venezuelan head of state confirmed that the government is gathering information and is alert for any attack. Quote, we are aware of these plans and have police, popular and strategic intelligence. According to the president, in addition to the selective assassinations of Venezuelan military and police, the plan orchestrated by Duque would be aimed at the National Electric System, the SEN, and the fresh water supply. From the historic Teresa Radio Theatre, Maduro pointed out, quote, the extreme right-wing cells would aim at stopping the process of recovery and that of economic growth that is taking place in Venezuela. The president praised the militants for their work and urged them to solidify the union. Quote, we are going to build economic prosperity in Venezuela, a free, independent and sovereign country. A new study finds that the prosecution of corporate criminals have hit a record low under President Joe Biden, worsening a trend that saw corporate impunity set records under President Donald Trump. Public Citizen reports the number of corporate prosecutions in fiscal year 2021 dropped to less than to less than just 90, or half the average rate over the previous quarter century. Meanwhile, human rights and environmental lawyer Stephen Donziger has just been released from nearly 1,000 days of house arrest. Donziger's legal ordeal began after he successfully sued Chivron on behalf of 30,000 Ecuadorian Amazonian indigenous people for dumping 16 billion gallons of oil into their ancestral land. According to a report from Tehran, Iran has warned Israel that it is in possession of intelligence on the location of all its nuclear weapons sites and that the country's armed forces will strike the sensitive targets in the occupied territories in the event of any aggression against the Islamic Republic.
Qatar's Al Jazeera television news network, based on an unnamed Iranian source, said, quote, Tehran has sent to Israel through a European country photos and maps of the Israeli nuclear weapons stores. The source said Tehran confirmed that it would target the regime's facilities and stores if Israel decided to go to war with Iran. Israel has previously changed the locations of its strategic warehouses, but the source added that the files sent by the Tehran included the locations of the new stores. Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi says Iran's armed forces are monitoring Israel, warning that they will target the regime's, quote, center if it makes the slightest move against the Iranian nation. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though the podcast links are not updated. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15.140, and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6,000, 6060, or 6100. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report, or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal, or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please, help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet. We will conclude with NHK World Radio Japan. The Japanese government has begun subsidizing fuel to ease the price for consumers. Shanghai has been on a strict COVID lockdown for a month. The U.S. Navy sailed a guided missile destroyer through the Taiwan Strait, causing Chinese consternation. China will launch a third aircraft carrier later this year, NHK Japan. The Japanese government has expanded its emergency fuel subsidy program to ease the impact of surging crude oil prices on consumers and businesses. Starting Thursday, oil distributors will receive subsidies when the average nationwide gasoline price tops 168 yen, or $1.30 per liter. The threshold has been lowered by 4 yen. The average price at the pump has been running at around 172 yen per liter. The ceiling for subsidies has also been raised. It goes from 25 yen per liter to 35 yen. In addition, the government is prepared to cover half the amount of any increase beyond the new limit. Officials expect the expanded financial aid will help curb the rise in prices for consumers. But prices of crude oil and other natural resources are likely to remain unstable because of the conflict in Ukraine. The government now faces the question of how long it can continue to carry out a policy of artificially suppressing retail fuel prices. It's been one month since Shanghai entered a strict lockdown to curb the spread of COVID-19. It's brought the world's busiest port to a standstill. But while concerns mount over the economic toll, there's no sign China will lift restrictions anytime soon. Daily case numbers in Shanghai have been exceeding 10,000. Most are reported asymptomatic. Uh, most are reportedly asymptomatic, and residents are growing frustrated over the so-called zero-COVID policy. 
this woman spoke to NHK on the condition of anonymity. She says she is still worried about getting infected, but her biggest concern is not knowing when the lockdown will end. People are becoming distrustful and worried because the authorities are not telling us how long the restrictions will continue. She says when it started, food deliveries were scarce and she was afraid of going hungry. Now, she says the situation has improved and residents are able to purchase food more easily. However, other supplies like medicine have been harder to come by. She also says she does not believe COVID-19 can be eliminated completely and the restrictions are backfiring. I don't think the zero-COVID policy is worth doing at all. If the government has to pay such a large price and loses people's trust. The situation in Shanghai also has residents of China's capital worried. Beijing began a mass testing campaign earlier this week. There are reports that people there are stocking up on food and other supplies. However, Beijing city officials say they are taking steps to prevent shortages in case of a lockdown. The United States and Taiwan say a U.S. guided missile destroyer has sailed through the Taiwan Strait. The U.S. Navy's 7th Fleet announced the USS Samson conducted what it called a routine Taiwan Strait transit on Tuesday. It said the ship's transit through international waters was in accordance with international law. It added the move demonstrates the U.S. commitment to a free and open Indo-Pacific. Taiwan's defense ministry also said a U.S. destroyer had sailed through the Taiwan Strait from south to north. The Samson is part of the U.S. 7th Fleet's Navy Strike Group, led by the nuclear-powered aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln. The group had been engaged in a joint exercise with Japan's Maritime Self-Defense Force in the Philippine Sea and the East China Sea until last week. Observers say the announcements by the U.S. and Taiwan are aimed at sending signals to China. They show the U.S. military is maintaining its presence in the Indo-Pacific as Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues in another region. China's military condemned the U.S. ship's move on Wednesday. The Eastern Theater Command of China's People's Liberation Army said in a statement, The U.S. has been frequently carrying out provocative acts to send wrong signals to Taiwan independence forces. China is expected to put a third aircraft carrier into service later this year. The Chinese Navy released a promotional video on Saturday, the 73rd anniversary of its formation. The video shows crew members at work and looks back at the advancements made since the Navy began using its first aircraft carrier in 2012. An officer says he is preparing for a third child, hinting that a third carrier is on its way. The Global Times newspaper, which is affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party, also referred to the plan. It quotes an expert as saying the carrier will be equipped with a device called an electromagnetic catapult. This will allow aircraft to accelerate and take off from the vessel. 
China is building up its naval capabilities with the aim of creating a world-class military by the middle of the century. The new aircraft carrier is believed to be part of a strategy to underscore the authority of President Xi Jinping. She will seek an unprecedented third term as leader at the party congress later this year. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. Know that you will have to look harder these days because of United States and European Union prohibitions. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.